Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KCBS Radio. Original podcasts. From KCBS Radio, I'm Matt Pittman, along with my colleague Natalia Gorevich, and this is Bay Current. And we're coming to you on this episode of Bay Current from Huntington Park up on Knob Hill. It's one of my favorite spots in the city. It's one of the first places I ever came to in the city after I moved here. I live up on Knob Hill, just a couple blocks away on the other side of Grace Cathedral. It's literally the most idyllic scene in the city, very much captures the vibe of Knob Hill. But we're not here just because of the aesthetics and because it's picturesque. We're here to talk about Natalia's newest true crime podcast, a KCBS radio original podcast called Bitter Academia. Over a century ago, San Francisco was still very much in its infancy. A product of the gold rush and the industries that followed, the city was controlled by the wealthy few. And one of these few would become the center of one of the strangest unsolved mysteries the Bay Area has ever known. She learns by being betrayed. After a while, Jade Stanford learns that when this much money is at stake, you cannot really trust anyone. And that becomes, I think, part of her her personality. Jane Stanford was one of the wealthiest women in the country at the time of her death in 1905. A life mired by the tragic loss of her son, she took her grief and used it to create one of the most prestigious schools in the country, Stanford University. It got finished um, uh, by Jane. And I think that's, it's really sort of a remarkable story. But she was really determined to complete that vision, yeah. right, that she and, and her husband had had together and was really driven to do it. Um, and she did. But the woman who built Stanford from the ground up would be surrounded by those who had more to gain with her dead. And this is not really the the time to be a very powerful woman. She really had her work cut out for her. She would meet an untimely end, and her killer would walk free, the story of her death erased by the university and kept hidden for the next century. Join me as I delve into Gilded Age San Francisco and the rot that lay beneath all the glitter and gold surrounding the life and death of Jane Stanford. And much of Bitter Academia takes place up here on Knob Hill only about 118 years ago. Uh, It is a remarkable story that um, I'd never heard of until we started working on it. So just give us kind of the background. What is Bitter Academia about? So Bitter Academia is essentially an examination of Jane Stanford's life and death. And Jane Stanford was an incredibly complicated woman. She was a trailblazer 
in education and women's rights, but she was also personally very conservative. She wound up being the only woman in a room full of men in many areas of her life, especially later in her life. And she was alone. She was had one child late in her life, lost him, and then her husband died, leaving her to essentially run one of the most prestigious universities in the country, now probably the world, by herself. We're talking, of course, about Stanford University. I think that you know people may not immediately connect the, the dots between the name Jane Stanford and Stanford University, but that is a huge part of the story. I think that for many, that's what will be the most interesting part of the story is that she was the founder of the university. And then there's the university's role in her death. And before we get into that, just give us kind of the the Cliff's Notes version, if you will, the story of her death. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very weird story. Essentially, Uh, In 1905, beginning of the year, Jane Stanford, someone attempted to poison her. Someone attempted to kill her. And it wasn't successful. So she hired private detective agency and she went about her life. And she went on vacation in Hawaii and she was eventually fatally poisoned there. And the weird part is is that... So that was the second attempt on her life via poisoning. That was the second attempt on her life, that final poisoning, and that one worked. Mm -hmm. And the weird part is is that the poisoning was quickly covered up by those closest to her. Um, The president of Stanford University at the time was one of the main players in the cover-up. And essentially the main motivation to hiding what actually happened was that they were trying to avoid a scandal that might hurt the very, very new school. And even now, over a century later, Stanford still hasn't really acknowledged that that's likely what really happened. Hmm. So this is the second podcast that you've done for KCBS Radio and Odyssey. The first uh, was The Sausage King, um, without tooting her own horn too much, uh, a pretty grand success for us. We're very proud of it. You should be very proud. I know you are of of the work you do. I I mean it, absolutely. Um, Second time around, though, the Sausage King happened in the 90s. <laughs> this happened, the balance of it, uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s. How in the world do you go about telling that story in the modern day? Uh, obviously, all of the participants have long since passed. Um, there is no, There are no audio archives for us to go to. Uh, frankly, there aren't many other news archives for us to, to access in terms of uh, you know, print media that existed back then because... A lot of the history of the city was lost in, in a year after Jane died in 1906 with the, the great earthquake and the, and the great fire. How did you go about gathering and reporting out this story for a six-episode podcast? Well, I mean, you're totally right. Uh, the 1906 earthquake basically changed the history of the city forever, and a lot was lost. But I was fortunate that this is a historical murder and that a lot of historians have looked into it. So I was lucky that a lot of experts and historians had done the heavy lifting ahead of time. My biggest challenge um, was finding voices to go along with this. And I actually, you know, went about it in a sort of uh, a little bit of a a quirky fashion. I, I found experts in the various topics that the podcast deals with, like poisoning, uh, basically Gilded Age San Francisco. Um, But I also 
talk to mediums because Jane Stanford herself was a huge spiritualist. So I, I talked to mediums here in the city and even held a seance. And I also managed to find a few of Jane Stanford's own descendants. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. It was <laughs> did, pretty, did you ever think that you would be doing a, a seance or a, a spiritual reading, whatever you want to call it, as part of a, uh, whether any podcast really, but certainly as part of this one? Uh, First for everything. Absolutely <laughs> not. Never thought that I would be doing it, but I will say that it was quite an experience. Very, very different from the Hollywood version. There there was no chanting. There were no candles. Nothing spooky necessarily about it. Um, it was actually quite a quite an interesting experience. So I think... You know the the star of the podcast obviously is is Jane Stanford herself. You hit a few minutes ago on some of the things that really uh, make her an interesting figure. But she historically is obviously a very interesting figure. She was a very interesting figure in her time when she was alive. Absolutely. Um, there weren't many women of means. Many women who certainly after the death of her husband controlled a vast fortune like she did. She was one of the wealthiest women in the entire country at, at the time of, of her death. What did you learn about the Jane Stanford of the early 1900s, late 1800s, in some of the challenges that she faced as a woman of, of wealth and, frankly, a, a woman with her own very strongly held ideas and beliefs I mean, look, in 2023, in many parts of the country, women with popular or women with strong opinions aren't very popular. Imagine it was uh, even more so back then. What did you learn about that? Well, I mean, honestly, Jane, Jane winds up becoming not very likable for Mm. a lot of people. A lot of people who wrote about her and interacted with her definitely had an impression of her as not being particularly likable. But from my perspective, it seems like, yes, if you suffer the loss of your only child, then the loss of your husband, you're tasked with these monumental responsibilities, you don't have a lot of people you can trust, it makes sense to me that you might turn a little bit, turn a little bit harsh. And that's kind of the impression that I have of Jane is that ultimately she is kind of alone, um, but she's comforted by her spiritual beliefs. And she just kind of has to forge ahead. And she does so despite the men in her life, uh, you know, university officials, uh, lawyers, uh, financial guides, basically questioning her decisions and undermining her at a lot of different a lot of different turns. Perfect timing. We hear one of the cable cars going by. Oh, on yes. California her husband Street. is the one who actually put the cable cars in in San Francisco because it was too difficult for <laughs> horse-drawn carriages to get up these giant hills. Yeah, learning that. I mean, that was crazy to me. Again, living up here on Knob Hill, I will take that cable car every once in a while. It's not just for, for tourists. There is a, a, a practicality to them. Yep, Leland Stanford installed those for his own means. Leland Stanford was, uh, of course, a... Um, you know, a massive figure at the time. He's a former governor of, of California, one of the big four in San Francisco that uh, built this part of town, Knob Hill, that uh, was one of the wealthiest men in the country. Um, Leland Stanford's role in in your storytelling, what, uh, what did you learn about him? Uh, well, <laughs> I learned a lot about how he was not actually that good of a businessman. Um, despite the fact that he did seem to make a giant fortune, 
uh, the historians and the people who've studied him and his life definitely um, emphasize that he really didn't know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And part of that is why Jane then, when Leland dies, is left with a lot of, you know, financial, you know, webs to sort of get through. And she, she has to kind of address some of the issues that Leland left behind. And in terms of Stanford University, the the role in in that in the story that you tell and in in Jane's murder and her death is kind of centered around the the cover up and, and really a lot of the questions that to this day um, remain unanswered. Uh, I don't think it's any real secret that Stanford really doesn't like to address this this aspect of their history. Beyond that, what what did you learn in spending some time down on campus about Stanford and its origin story? Uh, why did Jane and Leland Stanford want to start a university down in Palo Alto, California, back then when there was literally nothing down there? Well, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> you'll cut that out. Well, I mean, they already owned that property. Uh, Leland Stanford was really into horses, and so that was kind of where... He had his operation. They called it the farm. And, you know, when you're on the campus, you can definitely feel its sort of sprawling, almost ranch-like nature. But Jane's mark is on the campus everywhere. When Leland died, the campus was nothing more than a handful of low buildings. Jane is the one who put all of the embellishments, all of the grandiosity that you see today that makes the campus so iconic. And mm. that's really kind of the impression that I got once I stepped foot on that campus, that even though the campus is technically named after Jane's son, Leland Jr., that school is all Jane. The school was built essentially as a monument, a memorial to Leland Jr. As many people have told me, it is, it is literally a haunted campus. Set to welcome, really. Set to welcome Leland Jr. Whenever he decides to come back while in the afterlife. And that's part of Jane's spiritual connection, her beliefs, if you will. Absolutely. Interesting. Uh, the podcast is Bitter Academia. It is available now. Episode one is out. Uh, we invite you to subscribe to it and listen on the Odyssey app or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, of course, Spotify. Um, overcast YouTube <laughs> YouTube it's out there it's everywhere um, congratulations thank you great work I know how long you've worked on it how long we've been working on it work doesn't continue we've got a whole bunch of more episodes to release in the weeks to come so again subscribe and uh, listen hope you guys enjoy Natalia thank you very much thank you Matt Bay Current is a production of KCBS radio produced and edited by me Matt Pittman for more Bay Area stories subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app Spotify or wherever you listen. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.